I find as humans, we're much more inclined to drudge through life and complain about things rather than to be grateful. So it's a conscious act of reclaiming, reframing, and noticing in order to appreciate the things that are in our life and recognize, oh, we don't have to do this. We get to do this. And the beautiful part is once you make that mentality shift into a daily habit, it becomes such a beautiful part of your life. It's unavoidable that you will recognize all the wonderful things that you have, but not without acknowledging the struggles and challenges it took every single day to achieve those things. Hello everyone, and welcome to Gumption. My name's Lil, and please don't mind my voice because once again, procrastination has gotten the better of me and here we are at 7:51 p.m. on Sunday the 26th when this episode is supposed to come out at 7 a.m. tomorrow. It still might, not sure though. We're going to see how this goes. And it turns out my brain is a little fogged up on Sudafed. So I feel like my thought process is being a little slower than it normally is, but I'm so happy you're here and we are going to have a super fun time today. This, I think, is the first Gumption episode ever that has been chosen by the listeners. In the past, I've given some subtopics for different ideas I had and let you guys kind of pick which way you wanted me to go with it. But this time, I let people choose between two things, and I'm really happy with what you chose. Fun fact, when I do solo episodes, I usually don't outline I save the outlining for creating questions for guests who make me a little nervous, which is almost everybody because I've had a lot of very intelligent and expert people on this podcast. So I always like to try to bring my smartest questions and the things that I really think you guys will benefit from hearing. But when it's just me talking, I like to sort of see what ideas come up and just go with the flow. However, this time I did not do that because, like I said, the Sudafed really made me need to get these ideas out on paper and make sure I was delivering the best content. So this week's topic is have to versus get to mentality. And as I discovered while talking to Murphy about this, I didn't know what I was talking about at first. It took me a while to fully articulate the level of thought that I put into this and I almost feel like I was overthinking it a little bit where it just simply did not make sense at all. But the goal of this episode is really to think about how we can shift our mentalities about things toward the positive and how that can accentuate our gumptious lifestyle. I really like that phrase that came up in last week's episode and I think I'm going to keep using it from now on. So what are the characteristics of this specific shift? Why would we want to do it? How would it benefit us? How do we do it? What are the actionable steps towards it? Those are the kind of things I'm going to break down in this episode. But first, here is a lovely little interlude of everyone's favorite boyfriend, Murphy O'Brien. As you will hear, we recorded this in the same house, just on different floors because we are sick this week. Enjoy. Your voice has gotten so much better since this morning. It sounds very improved, in my opinion. Well, the key to good health is doing a lot of hard drugs, so... Right. That is what we tell the kids and that is what we live by. Just kidding. I asked the gumption followers to share their little life updates, which is a segment I started this season. And I meant to do that yesterday, but I just put it on my story like 30 minutes ago. So I will see how many people respond. But I guess an update from us is that we are sick. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, big life update. I am quarantined up in the attic with COVID. Lily miraculously is still able-bodied and legally allowed to leave the house. But I will be locked up here. She has, you know, like the padlock out and I, I can't, no. there's no way out. He's in a cage. <laughs> I'm not allowed to see daylight for three days. Like you when he has that friggin clear cube thing in the, the book depository i was just gonna say that's what you have me chained up in but go ahead sweets <laughs> hey only if our laundry shoot oh my god can i speak if only our laundry shoot was from the attic to this floor that would be really helpful it just goes from the bathroom to the basement which doesn't really do us any good i guess maybe in due time but for the time being no <laughs> i could have shoved the pillowcases and the sheets down that and just see where they came out since i was doing the laundry <laughs> if i had to guess it's sealed off on the bottom but oh that would really suck wouldn't it our house that i grew up in was newer obviously so i never experienced the joy of nooks and crannies like that yeah my parents had laundry chutes however they were all sealed off since before we even moved into that house so mm-hmm. useless gotcha yes and i guess this episode is sponsored by red solo cups <laughs> cheers what's your beverage of choice murphy my beverage of choice for the evening is water so Brought is mine cap through brita Mine is lukewarm water because it's been sitting here for a really long time next to my lukewarm tea that I just refuse to heat back up. So, <laughs> Or drink. That's true. I'm really bad with hot beverages because I I wait too long for them to cool you, down. You're, past you're the, the master of taking a sip of a hot beverage going, ooh, that's too hot, and then forgetting about <laughs> it for two hours. I think it's just I get nervous to burn my tongue again, but then it's like there's a certain point where I can reasonably say it probably won't burn me, but I don't. You're not I don't ready act to on get hurt again. Yeah, I'm not ready to get hurt again. I have very sensitive taste buds, as we know. But I guess in the spirit of sharing more life updates, I left my job last week. Long time. <laughs> Love the reaction. Long time coming for sure. Definitely a decision I was putting a lot of thought into, but finally bit the bullet and did it. And I think it's a little too early on to say whether that was a good decision or not. It's not too early. It was a good decision. Thank you. That that validates me quite a bit. Yeah, mentally already a million times better. Creatively, same. My creative flow is definitely coming back, but I haven't had a full week where It's been normal because obviously with my last day being the 16th and then I went on a trip, which I'm going to talk about on the show at some point and then was working and it was Thanksgiving week. It's been weird flow since then. And this week will be the first true week where I won't be doing full-time work and I was going to do part-time work, but now I'm sick. I don't know. Maybe it'll be a messed up week again. I'm definitely going to talk more about what led up to that decision and what the future looks like for me hopefully on upcoming episodes but that was a big that was a, wait how did you do that <laughs> there's a button that says reactions at the bottom and you can just put emojis on your corner i wish Sorry. i knew this when we had zoom classes that would have been fun this was a recent addition to zoom anything else you would like to share about our lives our thanksgiving before we move on to our topic chosen by the gumption listeners I think a very important life update for all the uh, gumption followers out there is that Lily and I got breakfast crunch wraps this morning. 
Oh my god. Went to Duncan and we got coffee. So we got two different fast food places for breakfast. If anyone else can make that claim, please see me. Yes, I don't think he can. Please see me. <laughs> see me in my lair. No, but actually the breakfast crunch wrap just hits different. It's got that crispy hash brown inside there and it is just it's got that, I needed that hint of hot sauce on it too, which just smacks when you get a bite of it. Yeah, especially because we both have been eating soup for the last evening. And then to have that solid, delicious crunch with a hint of grease, it was just perfect. I didn't have soup. Oh, well, I had a lot of soup yesterday. You didn't have dinner because you were feverish. I, so. I was feverish laying under nine blankets in bed. <laughs> so your stomach was pretty empty, to say the least. Oh, definitely. And I felt that this morning. That was partly why I suggested it, because... I needed that Dunkin' coffee, even though I only drank half of it. Sometimes you just need that little sugary bomb to go off in your system. (laughs) Who's to judge me for that? I don't really know. Many are. That was a good update, though. We're pretty cool. We're pretty godlike. So it's important for people to know that we do normal things like get fast food and get sick. (laughs) I'd also like to heed a warning to all Gumption listeners out there. If you are planning on seeing Napoleon, do not go into it expecting a true-to-life biopic, but rather embrace it as the comedy it is. That's a good one, because I always do my little movie Rex thing at the end of each episode. I guess to piggyback off of that, I miss saying that in like classes and stuff. That was just the most- Just to leapfrog off you there. (laughs) It's like the most pick-me thing to say. I saw- Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes when I was on my Philly trip and it was excellent. I recommend seeing it. But if you're squeamish like me, just go in knowing that it's extremely gory, um even more so than the other Hunger Games films and I attribute this to the fact that the arena is a true arena. It's just like a flat circle floor inside of a dome. All the tributes that die, it's very graphic and there's Spoilers. not other What? Spoilers. What it's if they not a spoiler live? that they die. <laughs> You're not they going to a Hunger live. Games. I mean, I wish, but yeah, especially the little girl with Down syndrome. That was just like cruel. I don't understand why they had to do that, but I guess I was trying to make a point about how cruel and unfeeling the Hunger Games are in the other movies with all the like fun technology in the arenas. Not fun, but like all the Hunger advanced, <laughs> the water and, you know, I'm picturing it. You guys know what I'm talking about, but that distracts from the brutality a little bit. There is no distraction from that in this movie. And also, if you're expecting a solid tied up ending, good luck, Charlie, because that's not what we get. Should we move along? Absolutely. I gave the listeners two topics to choose from this week. One was solo travel tips on a budget. And the other was the have to versus get to mentality. But I'm really glad that they picked the latter option, because I realized as I was thinking more about my trip, I don't really have a lot of pointers for solo travelers. I've done solo travel, but it was mostly to and from school. And my most recent trip went really well, but I don't know what I would say. Have friends that you could stay with. Like, it's kind of hard to like <laughs> uh, drive safely on the roadways, have a place <laughs> to stay, make sure that you will have enough money in your wallet to eat while you're there pretty much 
even then I didn't really check my bank account till after I got back and it was fine (laughs) but like that's kind of just how I stay in the stress-free on my trips anyway I think the second one will be a lot more interesting to explore and I'm excited to unpack it with you well my friends it turns out I had to unpack it by myself because both of our voices were starting to give out and we had to take a little break. But I hope you enjoyed that banter as much as I did. I wish I could show you the video footage of how stupid we look because the lighting up there in the attic is nil, non-existent. I told Murphy it looks like he's in a 2003 like action movie because it literally looked like he was a floating head. And meanwhile, down here, I have this very harsh lamp light on me. So I looked downright scary. But now it is time to talk about I have to versus I get to. I started off by equating this to similar movements I've seen, whether through recent trends or just through sort of common axioms that we always hear about. From a trend standpoint, one example is lucky girl syndrome. Now, this is where I lost Murphy because he's not a TikTok girly. And honestly, I'm thankful for that. But for those of you who aren't familiar, lucky girl syndrome is sort of hand in hand with manifestation. And it's believing that all the good things that you want that are for you, the opportunities that you deserve in a sense, are going to come to you and that you're lucky. And that by the act of deeming yourself lucky, sort of like the Delulu girl trend, you are actually assuming a positive future putting the good intent in there for the things that you want to get in the future and sort of envisioning and assuming that they will happen. While I totally agree that envisioning your desired future as you work toward it is very powerful and often very effective because it often subconsciously makes us inclined towards opportunities that are going to get us to that future and lessens the guilt of like saying no to things that aren't gonna help catapult us toward our dream. What I don't like about lucky girl syndrome is that it is so future oriented that it almost dismisses the work you're putting in on the day-to-day and the challenges you're facing and overcoming there and it just assumes that everything is going to work out perfectly for you which we know is not always the reality. So I think that's one piece of the puzzle and that's how it differs from have to get to. Another common version of this that we hear often and this is more so in religious circles is the blessed not stressed dialogue. I think this also has some holes in it and you know whether you believe that God has a a plan that everything is going to work out What's best for you will come to you if it's in God's plan. And the blessed part is sort of like the gratitude aspect of that, being grateful for what you have been blessed with and acknowledging it and actively noticing it and not stressing about the things you can't control. Those are both also lovely sentiments. But again, I think it's missing the piece of acknowledging our agency in the matter, like just surrendering everything up to God, in my opinion, is very hard to do. And maybe that makes me a bad Catholic. I don't know. But I think we have the power to influence what happens in our lives to some degree. So to always be saying, I'm going to acknowledge what I'm blessed for and I'm going to let go of what stresses me out or what is not for me doesn't really catch that middle ground area of what you can do and change 
in the day-to-day through your actions. And finally, the butterfly effect. This is something that's been explored in a lot of different stories, movies, what have you, because it's something that we humans think about all the time. I know I do. I find it very interesting to explore how things could have been different, um, which is sort of the negative way of looking at that, or on the positive, how you have impacted things through your day-to-day actions. So the butterfly effect is basically the idea that everything you do and say, small or monumental, affects your future self, your community, the people that you surround yourselves with. It is not meaningless. And I think that holds a lot of weight. It holds a lot of power. It's why we're constantly analyzing this idea because I think it has a lot of truth to it. But it also can be very deterministic of like taking that free will aspect out of it and making us think that, okay, well, we were going to choose this anyway. Our choices maybe don't have weight if we were just determined to set on this path and make the choices that we did to lead to this version of the world that we now have. I don't want to get into a whole philosophical debate here because when I was in philosophy class in college, I found it really hard to believe in a deterministic world, but a lot of people have great arguments to back it up, and I think ultimately that does tie into your religion and your belief system. My point with the butterfly effect is it is a little bit indirect and a little bit removed. While it speaks to your direct contributions to your community, your words, your actions, it can be argued that it sort of just points out that everything we do leads toward the effect that it has and we can't change that. This is why we have so many movies that explore like parallel universes and what would happen if you made one different decision in a parallel universe, how that would affect a whole swath of people. Like I'm thinking about the Doctor Strange multiverse movie in particular. There's so many that explore this exact idea for that reason. So all of these in my mind are kind of iterations of the had to versus got to mentality shift. And I'm not saying that this idea I came up with is in any way like the epitome of all these. It's not the best version of this. I think it's just another lens through which we can understand how our mentality and our actions shape the world around us. So I guess the next natural point here is what is the have to versus get to mentality shift? Well, first of all, I think it boils down to gratitude. It is a conscious move toward gratitude and away from things like complaining. I've really found myself wanting to do less complaining in my life. And while I think that would be a great New Year's resolution, I also am a firm believer that you don't have to wait to the new year to try to break bad habits. So when I find myself complaining, that's kind of what spurred me thinking of this as an option for a gumption episode because... I think making this internal movement is one way to sort of combat a bad habit like complaining. So how do we define gratitude in this case? What is the basis on which we're leaning towards? Well, the Oxford English Dictionary says gratitude is one of two things. It's the quality of being thankful, which is a pretty basic definition, or the readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. I like that this has a twofold definition because I was really hoping it wasn't just going to be like the act of being grateful. I hate when they do that. That does not tell me 
literally anything at all. But rather, the quality of being thankful implies that it's like something ingrained in you, it's practiced, it's continued, it's a habit, it's repeated. It's not just a one-time act, and I really like that. Sort of like how they say happiness and joy are related. Happiness can be fleeting, momentary, whereas joy is almost a state of being or an inclination to the world. And I think similarly, gratitude and something like appreciation. Appreciation could be momentary and fleeting and sort of situational, but gratitude is a way of being and it's a lifestyle. And I really like that sentiment. Also, the readiness to show appreciation. So that, again, is showing us it is a way that you act. It's a habit, a mode, a state of being. It's an eagerness, a willingness, openness. I just love that word readiness because you can almost hear in that description like someone who's grateful is readily able to access that emotion and express it and articulate it to others, which I think is really smart. Thanks, OED. Now, it's time for a little disclaimer, and I thank Murphy for making this very clear to me in my failed explanation to him of this concept the first time. I made a little graph, which I'm going to explain to you guys in a moment, which helped me unpack this idea and figure out where the different nuances would fall and how we can add some context rather than it just being a black and white idea. But he made the excellent point that this scale I've created is not for life or death situations. This is pretty much for the everyday mundanities that we deal with, the stresses, the joys of the everyday, rather than huge, huge monumental things that are going to affect the rest of our lives by making those choices. Um, And while I do think that this mentality could apply to those situations and possibly help you work through them, I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, And I'll share this funny example that Murphy said, because these are not the kind of situations we're talking about with the have to versus get to mentality shift. In the case of, oh, I have to run over this man because if I don't, he's going to hunt down and kill my mother. No, it's like a very negative thing to avoid an even worse thing, opposite end of the spectrum, doing something to deter something worse. Whereas unloading the dishwasher is doing something to enhance something better. So as you can see in the double negative quadrant of this analogy, we get into some tricky moral territory and that is not really where we're trying to venture. I am trying to break down how our daily inclinations toward gratitude can have a positive effect on our lives. To that point, let's examine why someone might want to change the way they think about things from, ugh, I have to do this, to, oh, I get to do this. First of all, something that is very common in today's dialogue is presence and being present in the moment that you're in, the place that you're in. I think this is something we especially should be conscious of with all the technology we have because it's really easy to just get lost in our screens and not deeply connect with anyone. So in the sense of being present, showing up as your best self, your undistracted, genuine self, definitely is influenced by feeling that you get to do things. If you are constantly thinking about all the things you have to do, like one example of this is chores. We all fall into this trap of 
we're out having fun with friends and we're thinking, oh, I have to do all these chores when I get home. Or when I was in school, I used to think this about homework. Oh, I have to write all these essays or do all these math problems when I get home after practice or after this dinner that I'm having with a friend. That dread immediately takes us out of the present moment and makes our thoughts so clouded. We're not really showing up as the best version of ourselves for those people in our lives. And further, you want to spend time with those you love and you want that to be quality time. So I think just eliminating that dread about all the things you quote unquote have to do allows you to be more free and enjoy those situations. Another great why is that this mentality emphasizes our temporality. And this is kind of a negative because it feeds into that memento mori idea, being aware that we are temporary creatures, we will die someday, everyone we know will die. And that is all the more reason to express our gratitude and to practice it on a daily basis, even if it's just in the simple language that we're saying about our daily chores and tasks. In all honesty, this idea was sort of how I birthed the concept of have to versus get to, because this is a point of conflict I've had with many people in my life. Having lost my father at a very young age, I am constantly annoyed when friends of mine will say something like, oh, I have to call my mom or I have to hang out with my parents. Like, I think it's a very common thing, especially for teenagers. And I experienced this a lot in high school for people to think they're cooler than hanging out with their family and not want to do that. And I totally get that every situation is different. But for me, it was almost like a slap in the face for someone to say, It was such a nuisance to spend time with someone that they still have access to, whereas I would have given anything to spend five more minutes with my dad. So I think just really being aware of like the time we spend with people being so, so important and and that every minute we're able to do that, we get to know that person on a deeper level or we get to make more memories or we get to experience the world with their perspective in addition to ours. So that was like the ultimate why, I think for me personally, of why you'd want to look at things as a privilege rather than a requirement or a nuisance. A couple more rapid fire whys eliminating pointless guilt. I feel like a lot of the times we do things out of obligation and we do them because we know we're going to feel guilty if we say no to someone, if we turn down an opportunity that's not right for us but is going to help out someone else. We often do things because we feel obligated to and we feel that we have to. And while some things are our responsibility and we do have to do them, others are not. So the things we get to do should be ones that we choose and we enjoy whenever possible. And the final why is the opportunity to reframe. It is so important to reflect and I feel like I am really beating the dead horse with this one because I talk about it in almost every episode. But I find that when people are really out of touch with reality, it's because they don't have moments of reflection. And while those moments can be very difficult, allowing yourself to reframe and check your perspective just helps you grow as a person. 
Okay, are you guys still with me? Because we're going to keep going. We are now moving on to the chart that I made. I labored over where to put these things on an XY axis and a Cartesian plane because in my nerdiness, that is the only way I could fully understand the different quadrants of this mentality. And I think ultimately it's a good exercise to check yourself quickly like, oh, I'm in the positive or I'm in the negative or I'm somewhere in the middle and that will sort of help you reframe and reorient depending on where you fall. So first up, on the x-axis, the horizontal, on the far left negative side, we have have to. This is what we're trying to stay away from. On the far right positive side, we have get to. This is what we're trying to reframe towards. And if I really wanted to get super mathy and bookish with this analogy, I would even say that we have an infinite horizon that we could approach on the positive side, which we will call toxic positivity. Which, by the way, I also looked up the definition for, so I didn't totally butcher it, and this is what it says. Toxic positivity is the pressure to only display positive emotions, suppressing any negative emotions, feelings, reactions, or experiences. It invalidates human experience and can lead to trauma, isolation, and unhealthy coping mechanisms. Now for the y-axis. This is what I struggled over. In the negative on the bottom, I put need to. And in the positive on the top, I put want to. Murphy did not agree with this placement. He thought maybe those two things were not opposites. And I think I have to agree with him there. But I am fully open to anyone's suggestion of what the y-axis should be because I couldn't think of another category that would really allow this analogy to work. So in our top right quadrant, this is the want to get to mentality. I noted this as acknowledgement of privilege and alignment. In other words, let's use the analogy of going Black Friday shopping. This is something you want to do. By no means is it necessary to your life. And especially if you listened to last week's episode with Blossom Financial Coaching, this is something that you maybe get to do because you've saved enough money or you've planned for this expense and it's a fun excursion that you get to do on Black Friday. Please note, it's not a berating of yourself for having this privilege. The acknowledgement of it, I think, really aligns you with reality and it allows you to be conscientious in your interactions with other people and grateful and giving in those relationships. Staying in the get to territory, we now move clockwise down to the bottom right corner. And this quadrant is get to and need to. I deemed this commitment. You have to do it. So there's no getting around that. But the way you're looking at it is that you're grateful that you have to do it. And that is totally shaping your experience. You've committed to doing this. What I like about this is that it brings in that agency piece we were missing from blessed and ever stressed. It allows us to consciously commit to doing something that we have to do, allows us to spit in the face of avoidance and choose to show up in a situation. Continuing our clockwise spin to the bottom left quadrant, this is the double negative. And no, this is not the lovely example that Murphy gave us of you have to run a man over with your car so that he doesn't hunt down and kill your mother. Instead, it's the have to and need to. So this is where we really got into the discussion because 
because we were originally thinking of things that are like life or death. You have to go to work so that you can feed your family. Obviously, that's not really up for debate here. And I think arguing something like, oh, you get to go to work when someone has a miserable underpaid job situation is bordering on that infinite axis of toxic positivity. But there certainly are things that we need to do, we cannot get around doing, and we feel that we have to do them. They're not enjoyable. They're not gratitude inducing. I'll think of one example from the babysitting I've been doing recently, changing a stinky diaper. I'm sure this is different when the child is actually yours and not an adorable sweet baby that you are watching temporarily, but Changing a diaper makes you question a lot of things, let me tell you. And the way I look at it, you have to change the diaper or else you're going to have a cranky baby on your hands. So I named this quadrant responsibility. And even though it is the double negative, I think there is a positive aspect to this too. When you have responsibilities, whether they are to your family members, to your own health, to your work, they are most likely a direct result of something you have. You have a job, you have a family, you have a healthy, able body. Without dismissing or invalidating the struggles that come along with all of those things, because as we know, loving something means letting go and sacrificing and genuinely being scared sometimes. What does it say about a person who can be responsible to fulfill the needs that come to them in their lives. It's building character. It's making you a better person. And even though you don't want to do it, nor do you have the option to do it, you feel that you have to and you sort of go through it begrudgingly, it makes you a better person. I would say the negative infinite limit of this is when it infringes on your health in any way. So obviously a job is going to cease to be something you should be responsible for when you're being undervalued, disrespected, or overworked to the point that your health is suffering. Your family is going to cease to be something you're responsible to if they are berating you or treating you inhumanly. And at that point, this quadrant sort of becomes survival. Final quadrant going up above the x-axis into the territory of have to and want to. This was absolutely the hardest one for me to figure out because it is in very strange territory. You feel that you have to do something, but you want to do it. That seems to contradict itself to me. So for this reason, I called it acceptance. Honestly, I'd love to know what you guys think because this doesn't feel right to me, but it was sort of the only way I could justify it. You have that obligation element, and whether you agree with it or not, you sort of begrudgingly, again, go through with this task. Maybe you even feel that you should do it, which in a sense does mean you want to, because whether it's the actual task itself or avoiding some other worse consequence, you you want to avoid the other outcome, and therefore you accept that you have to do this thing. Me, this is where all the very tricky things fall, like standing up for yourself, maybe to your own detriment, saying yes to plans with people you simply do not want to see or hang out with, or fear of worse backlash, or making decisions that serve your lower lesser evolved self rather than your highest self that you're envisioning and manifesting for. So maybe this is the only quadrant that we really don't want to be in because when it comes to the right side of the y-axis, those are positive. As we saw, even with responsibility, 
it can be a character building opportunity and therefore not really a double negative. So my friends, where does this leave us? What can we actually do to instinctively say, I get to go on a walk today. I get to unload the dishwasher. I get to go to work. I get to see my family. These things that we often dread or simply feel obligated to do. How do we make ourselves more inclined to appreciate and enjoy those things? It won't always be the case, but this is the cycle I came up with for how to use gumption as a vehicle to make that shift. First and foremost, practicing and becoming expert at the art of noticing. I think a lot of times when we feel that we have to do something, it's because we're just drudging along. We're not really paying attention. We're going through the motions. Whereas if we notice, for example, unloading the dishwasher, Murphy and I have so many mugs that we've collected from different places that we've traveled. And it really brings us a lot of joy to have all those little tokens of different places that we've been and memories that we've made together. So while the dishwasher top rack may be totally loaded down with lots of heavy mugs, it's also the art of noticing that we have those and they're memories from another time. Step two, of course, is appreciating. At the moment you notice the thing in a positive light, instead of just continuing on and forgetting about it, take the time to actually appreciate it. That will build the habit like we talked about earlier that eventually leads to the quality or the readiness towards gratitude. Now, if at this step you find yourself getting stuck as I often do, take a step back. If you find yourself really being unable to appreciate the thing, ask yourself why that is. Are you still harboring feelings of anger or resentment or bitterness about something related to the thing, whether it's a person or an experience that you've gone through? And try to do the work to like eliminate that negativity. Now, I just made that sound like it was easy. It's not. It takes years, literally. And therapy and reflection and writing over those bad memories with new positive memories. Things that trigger us are totally specific to you and they're all different. So it might not always be easiest to appreciate those things. The example I gave earlier about friends being kind of rude to their parents or rude about hanging out with their parents, I've had many experiences in recent years where friends have expressed to me like, hey, I don't have a good relationship with my parents by no doing of my own and nor would I ever want to take down my boundaries just to appreciate them or be grateful for them. And while this is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, it made me realize that okay, not everybody had the same positive experience growing up that I did. And that's okay. So in turn, I try not to be triggered by that. And instead, I appreciate the positive memories that I have with my dad and the positive relationship that I still have, not without work with my mom. Another way to eliminate that negativity is to examine your environment, your habits, and the people that surround you. Sometimes it's not even coming from you. And maybe, for example, your friend group does not appreciate or value or prioritize the same kind of things that you do. And that might be an opportunity to either set a boundary or to step back and evaluate those friendships themselves. Or perhaps you could be in the midst of a really toxic environment that's preventing you from feeling grateful for things. Or even a bad habit could be kind of blocking your mind off and getting you 
out of the practice of being grateful. All those things can kind of be barriers to this cycle. So I think just like a regular evaluation when you notice something that you should appreciate and you can't bring yourself to do it is really important. And as we know on the show, I never want to just pontificate and sound holier than thou because I am equally in the trenches with you guys of figuring all this stuff out. And talking through it really helps me to notice those things in my own life. So here are some actions, some actual practices that you can do to be grateful and know that you get to do the things that you do in your life. First and foremost, and perfectly timely with Thanksgiving, is a grateful tree. My mom started this several years ago in our family, and it's been the loveliest Thanksgiving tradition. She has a little miniature Christmas tree that she puts out during the Thanksgiving season, along with pens and little cards that have strings on them so you can attach them to the tree like ornaments. And when everybody comes over for Thanksgiving, she has people write as many little gratefuls as they want to, to put them on the tree. You don't have to write your name, it's anonymous, but it offers you the opportunity to actually think, what am I grateful for? And put it to pen and paper, which I think can be extremely powerful. So then we love to look through them at the end of the season, and they can be something as silly as McDonald's, or as deep as I pushed past a really hard barrier in my personal life. And she saves them every year. I've seen a lot of people use gratitude journals. And while I've never personally done this, I think I tend to do it through like poetry because I will often write poems about things I'm grateful for without directly saying that. It's like the act of appreciating and noticing through the poem itself. But I think a gratitude journal is like a quick, efficient way to do exactly that because it builds it into your life as a daily habit, even if just for five minutes. And finally, something I've recently enjoyed watching on Instagram from this lovely Australian woman doing imagination walks is a gratitude walk. So just allowing yourself to be mindful, getting outside if you can, and walking around, looking at people, looking at things, and thinking about the things that you're grateful for. You don't have to speak them or write them, but acknowledging them in your mind and maybe even coming up with a way to return that favor to someone, to return that kindness, like it said, in the readiness to definition. If you have practices of gratitude that you regularly do, I would love to hear them because I really want to try some of these things and I'll let you know which ends up being my personal favorite way to notice appreciate and be grateful shout out to murphy for zooming me from the attic to participate in this episode so it wasn't simply me rambling the entire time and as always i stay promoting our instagram because i am trying so hard with this color palette you guys i'm very proud of how it looks ever since we did our little summer rebrand because it's just so gumption it's all the things that i wanted it to represent follow along at gumption pod on instagram and threads so you can continue to interact with the community and be the first to know about new episodes episodes, giveaways, in-person events, and anything else I can't think of right now. I hope you guys are feeling much better than me, and I am grateful for you, truly. I love you guys. Bye!